It's something that Mama told me and that I think her Sabbath told her. Um, this too shall pass if anything's wrong. <laughs> yeah, equanimity. Welcome to On Air with Kai, a podcast that inspires, brings hope, shows resilience, and strength. On today's episode, we speak with Galit Kleiner and her amazing daughter, Cece Kleiner Fisman. This is the sweetest, happiest, most positive story when it could have gone the other way. The story you're about to hear is proof that the right mindset, positive outlook, a change in perspective, and a can-do attitude will propel you through the hardest times. I can guarantee you will be smiling throughout the story. Enjoy. everybody and welcome to another episode of On Air with Kai. I'm Brian Strasberg, co-hosting with Morty Rothman, executive pro- executive director, I was going to say executive producer, of Kai Lifeline Canada. Good morning, Morty. I should, be, I should be able to take an executive producer title for this, I think. You should. Me too in that case. But yeah, absolutely. Um, today we are joined with Galit and Cece Kleiner, who are and were Kai Lifeline uh, clients of, of ours. Uh, we're going to hear an incredible story of Cece and uh, her treatment of cancer and some interesting little facts about her later on that a project that she's taken on herself to help propel herself through treatments and healing and to share hope for others going through her s- same situation. Good morning, Galit and Cece. How are you? Good. <laughs> yes, we're very good. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak to you today. Absolutely. Thank you both for giving us your time today. We really appreciate it. I know we had a little bit of uh, back and forth trying to get scheduling down, um, but I'm glad we managed to get this. I'm glad. <laughs> so, um, so where 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 are you from? Where, where what's uh, and and Galie, why don't why don't you uh, kind of share uh, your story, and then we can get in, we can ask Cece some questions as well. Um, sure. So I am. Well, where am I from has always been a complicated question. <laughs> I'm from so many places. Uh, originally, I was born in Buffalo, New York, uh, when my dad was doing a postdoc, and then kind of went to all, all kinds of other places during other postdocs, eventually ending up in Israel. My parents are Israeli. Um, and moving to Canada when I was about seven years old to Edmonton, and then many places in between doing my own training as a physician. I studied in Montreal, Boston. Uh, Philadelphia, and ultimately um, moved our family back to Toronto in 2006. And Cece was born in 2012. So Cece has lived her life in Toronto. And, uh, so, so uh, can you share a little bit, and if you're comfortable, um, share your story of how you how, how you came uh, first, how you came to to, the, to needing high lifeline services, or not needing, but um, coming and getting involved with high lifeline services, I should say, um, and how that uh, how that progressed, if you don't mind. Sure. Well, I guess the story starts with Cece and um, her getting diagnosed with rhabdomyosarcoma when she was three. Um, that was probably the biggest shock of my life, um, and it would be shocking for any parent, but it was maybe maybe slightly more shocking for me than other parents in that I had um, uh, two other children um, who are older than Cece, Benji and Julieta, who were born with developmental disabilities and, and profound medical 
problems. Um, and then I had a lot of fertility issues and Cece came as literally a gift. Uh, don't know where she came from at, at the age of 42. Um, and uh, we named her Shai, that's her Hebrew name, which, which means gift. So to me, Cece was truly a gift from God. She was robust and healthy and just such a joy from the minute she was born. And I, so she was a good baby. She was an amazing baby with incredible spirit. And Zizi's giving a thumbs up for everybody. <laughs> and, and I just was, you know, she, she kind of rescued me a little bit. Um, I think that, uh, you know, and I, 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 I really struggled with um, all the needs my other children had and I was devoted to them and, and, remain devoted to them, but it was an exhausting experience and, um, and, and just, you know, a lot of grief. Um, and then when Sissy was born, it gave me hope, but not just for Sissy, but also it gave me renewed energy for all that I needed to do for my older children. And Sissy was just such a joy and a delight. And every minute I had with her was, I didn't ever take for granted. And so you know, in my head, she was, um, she was kind of just, just a joy and, and, and all the hard stuff had been behind us and now we're going to move forward. And then when her diagnosis came, when she was three, it was so sort of cosmically wrong in my mind. And I had such a hard time accepting. I couldn't, I literally couldn't believe it. It was just, it was, it was, a, it was just like, no, it, this can't possibly be true. Um, and, you know, we went from the outpatient ENT clinic, um, after weeks and months of me getting progressively more anxious that something was wrong, um, but being kind of dismissed by everybody, um, to going pretty much, you know, to, to inpatient sick kids for the next, next month, because Cece had a tumor that was so large in her oropharynx that it was compressing her airway, uh, impacting her ability to breathe. And so um, in that kind of devastated shock and awe state, um, I, I literally barely remember that period of time because it was so traumatic. Uh, somewhere in there, High Lifeline came into our life and kind of scooped me out of stupor um, and just started being there all the time and providing such compassion and such empathy and such material help, um, sending food to our house all the time. I mean, I still had two other kids at home that required, you know, full care. And I had, I, I was supposedly working, but I couldn't work and, um, had to be with Cece in the hospital. And I was just... You know, the high lifeline workers just suddenly, like they anticipated all that I could possibly need. And not just me, but Cece too. She was an inpatient in the hospital. They were there all the time. They brought her presents and art supplies and and um, laughed with her. And they were just always there. And I could take a breath. So that was my experience with high lifeline. I can't even imagine. Um what that feels like as a parent to, to 
you know, hear that diagnosis after almost, you know, it's like this little, little bundle of hope shows up and, you know, everything's going to be okay now. And then you hear that and, and to have to be at the hospital for a month and feeling so alone. And so, uh, it must've been such a dark place to have to, to find yourself in. And, um, right now I'm talking to you and, and you and CC are both, uh, very bubbly and very happy, very smiling. And, and CC, especially she's beaming. <laughs> and, you know, what do you tell yourself when you're going through something like that? Um, I, I mean, I, I heard you say about high lifeline and, and thank you for that. Thank you for allowing us to, to be a support during that time in your life. But, you know, how does one get through that? And, and what were you, what were you telling yourself? You know, um, I'm kind of an independent person and I kind of do a lot of stuff on my own. And all of a sudden I desperately needed community to just hold me up. Um, Going from minute to minute and hour to hour. Um, My children attended the Montessori Jewish day school, which is another incredible place. And the parents uh, band together immediately and put together a meal train. And every night we had food for the other kids. Um, and people wrote such beautiful people that we never, we didn't even know, but they were part of the school and the Jewish community uh, wrote us inspiring letters that gave me that, that helped me. Um, we literally went from minute to minute Um, You know, my family and my closest friends, they came through. Sissy's friends were unbelievable. Later on, it wasn't early, but later on, we'll we'll get, we'll tell you a little bit about what uh, the treatments held for Sissy. But sort of halfway through, some of her friends um, at a nursery that she went to called Kidville, the parents got together and put together a GoFundMe campaign as well as this welcome back party for Cece after she had to go to uh, out of the country to get radiation treatment. And it was just people just, you know, just showed their best selves. And it was it was incredibly important to me um, and really kind of provided us a net, a safety net and and I mean, we were obviously scared. <laughs> That's an understatement. Um, I tried to kind of not think too far ahead, just get through each day. We had, there were just so many challenges, like every little thing, like Cece was going to go for radiation at, at CHOP in, in Philadelphia because they had proton radiation uh, there, which they don't have in Canada, although I know that Sick Kids is trying to acquire a proton machine. And that's really important because it's a more focused type of radiation that prevents the spread of the radiation to other parts um, of the body. So where CC's tumor was, it was near eloquent cortex. What, what that means is important parts of the brain that relate to language and so forth. So they really wanted to do a targeted approach. And so we ended up spending two months uh, living in Philadelphia where CC went under general anesthesia every morning and couldn't eat until one o'clock in the afternoon because she got radiation to her brain um, every day for, for eight weeks. Um, but before that, 
the oncologist told us, well, she's going to need a feeding tube because she's going to get radiation. Uh, the field is going to be affecting her throat and she, it'll be too painful. She'll have radiation burns in her throat. She won't be able to swallow. And so we will, we, you know, they wanted to do a prophylactic feeding tube. And, you know, being a physician, I know what this means. It's not, I, I you know, and I, and I know that, you know, I, I under, of course, sometimes people need this and there's no, there's no question, but if you don't need it, then it would be great to avoid it. And I knew for CC psychologically, that would be so hard. Um, and so, you know, initially I kind of accepted that this is what we were going to have to do. And then when I went through the teaching sessions, I was like, oh my God, I, we can't do this. <laughs> we're going to have to, we're going to have to find a way to get CC to eat. And I was on a mission to ensure that she had enough calories. We did a calorie count every day. And, you know, when she had, if she would have like a potato chip, I'd write that down. If I could get her to have a sip of apple juice, I'd write that down. Um, you know, when we went to Philadelphia, my entire mission was like, we were going to go on a food tour. Right. And so, and having lived in Philadelphia, that's where we, I started my career at the University of Pennsylvania. I knew, I knew intimately uh, the city and every afternoon after radiation, we would See, I like to run and I would run Cece in her stroller uh, to downtown from the campus at the University of Pennsylvania. And we would find like there was this place called Bear Burger, which was a restaurant that made these huge burgers, like all the burgers and fries and milkshakes and whatever it is just to get into her. Um, and then we would go to Franklin. What was it called? Franklin okay. Square. Yeah, where they had uh, merry-go-rounds and carousels and ice cream. Ice cream. <laughs> so I was on a mission that we were going. So to there, there, there's a lot there that you just shared. I mean, just from from you know not taking this, you know, sitting down and being like, no, I'm not. We're not. We're not going to deal with with the food. We're gonna. We're. I'm gonna. I'm making it your mission and standing up and finding that strength. And it was, you know. I, as a mom, I'm sure that, you know, that takes a lot of strength to say, no, I'm not going to take what the doctors say as, you know, face value. And I'm going to look and see what else we can do um, to the silver lining. It sounds like you guys are, you know, it sounds like it was a horrible time in your life, but I'm, I'm hearing you talk about it. And it's like, yeah, we had went on tours around Philadelphia and we, I used to run down there and like, you almost look at it as, um, as a, as a bonding experience, which, you know, so, so there's a lot to unpack right there and see Cece smiling and mom's like, well, <laughs> you know, obviously. Well, you know what, you know what, if you ask Cece, I think you should Cece, tell him what you remember of Philadelphia. Like, was it the, like, do you remember bad stuff or what do you remember of it? Cause Cece was only three then. Well, I actually remember a lot. Um, I remember, I don't know why, the port and the needle that went in right here, it didn't hurt as much there for some reason, but but that's that's a good part I remember, but I also remember going on the carousel and eating ice cream and playing in the park, crashing a wedding. (laughs) Yeah, we went to uh, Washington Square Park one morning. My, My really close friend, Marla, who's a pediatrician who lives in Vancouver, came to Philadelphia for a, a blowout weekend uh, to distract me and to just be magical with CC. And 
she brought bubbles and we went to the park and we were blowing bubbles and this wedding party came in and Cece was wearing her signature um Sophia the first Sophia the first purple dress, dress. Love it. you know with her <laughs> and and you know she was so joyful and having so much fun that the wedding party just you know were they 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 were just charmed by her and they asked they treated me as the bride. <laughs> so Cece kind of crashed the wedding. Don't even crash. You took it over. That's with the great. groom. Yeah, with the groom and with the with the bridesmaids, and those are just the best pictures ever. Um, you know, and we we just we went to a salon, and even though Cece didn't have a whole lot of hair, she had still a few <laughs> strands left. And this wonderful hairdresser again, all these little little acts of kindness, you know, they made such a difference. He cut her little, her little sprouts off her head and, and styled it and, and put like a ribbon in her hair. And then he, then he put her on his motorcycle and took pictures of her. And then we, you know, so we, we went, we went to this place called Tallulah's, which was this fancy restaurant that had all kinds of sugar donuts. Again, my mission being got to get food into her, got to get food into her. And you know, we had so like we had fun. We I I decided that this was going to be, you know, we are going to have fun, and you and, know. And and where did that come from, though? How does that? How do you? Again, you're in this dark place. You were describing earlier with all all you know this mountain of responsibility that you have with your children and and everything. And, you know, being in the hospital, yet you turned it around. And, and you, you mentioned community, which I think is huge, right? Having a community, having people to rely on, but the mindset had to change. And I'm curious, how, how, how did you do that? What, what, what were you telling yourself? You know what? I don't, I, don't know that, I don't know that I've ever thought about this before, but now when you ask me this question, I think that that is something that I've had to grapple with for a very long time in the form of my other children. So I have two absolutely incredible, courageous, beautiful, funny children who were born with a very, very rare genetic disorder. And they, you know, the prognosis for them from the doctors again was devastating. And I just couldn't accept it. And I said, you know, I know what you're telling me. And I also know what I see. And I, it doesn't match up. Because I knew. I just could see it. I could see that there was more than, than you know, the two dimensions that the doctors were, were, te- were, were predicting. And I, you know, early on in my son's life, when he was born, I made a commitment. And I said, no, you know, I am not going to accept this. I'm going to do everything in my power to turn this tragedy into success. And I, I mean, I remember consciously thinking that, and that was my mission. And then when I had my other daughter, who, you know, uh, lightning struck twice, uh, also had the same genetic disorder, um, it, was, it was like such a crushing blow. But, you know, I was like, okay, so this is what it is. Uh, now what am I going to do? Am I going to walk away from this? Or am I going to do everything I can to make it as good as possible. And, and that sort of became my life mission. And, you know, at the same time, I also have a (laughs) strange that my, my professional life is in a way a parallel to my personal life. And one influences the other and actually in both directions and that I'm a specialist in neurodegenerative conditions. So in Parkinson's disease and other um, movement disorders, 
and uh, I work out of Baycrest, which is a geriatric center. And, you know, I, I kind of envisioned for my patients, I always, I always say when my patients come to me and I make a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease and to them that's so devastating, um, I say, no, you know, you're going to leave here with hope because here's what we're going to do. We're going to sort of live every day to the fullest. You're going to have my support to uh, optimize every treatment that we have available to us. And we are going to, you know, make the most of every single day. And that's sort of my frame of mind. And so when we were hit with this shock, somewhere in there, I, you know, being incredibly conscious of what the future could hold, I didn't want to take a single day for granted. And, you know, then the other piece of this is Cece. She is the most incredibly optimistic, joyful person. Even, you know, she was experiencing this even then. She was still so funny and so creative and so optimistic um, that I had to continue that way. I knew, I knew that I had to model to her hope and joy and, you know, we couldn't get lost in the anxiety and the difficulties. We had to focus on what's good. Right, Cece? Cece, we're... How did you do that, Cece? What? How did you stay so positive? I'm sure you must have seen all the doctors and and mom being so so you know nervous. I'm sure you must have noticed that kids see everything as much as us adults try to hide that. Kids see it all. Yeah, I'm actually not sure how I did it. I never really thought about it, but I I don't mean to like sound like rude, but I think I may have just been born very positive. <laughs> it's not rude at all. That's fantastic. <laughs> I think you were born positive. I agree. And you know what, Cece, so I'll give you a little bit of background on Cece. Um, when we went to Philadelphia, we stayed at the Ronald McDonald house. And at the Ronald McDonald house, Cece developed a cult following amongst the other kids there. And the escapades and the fun that they had there with Cece as the leader, uh, this little three-year-old munchkin um, with all kinds of, you know, imagination games and all kinds of like, just so much fun that, you know, it's just infectious. So she lifted the spirits of so many people, you know, the first night that we were at Sick Kids um, and well, it wasn't actually the first night. I think it was actually about the fifth night after uh, they finished all the, the testing and they finally had the conclusive diagnosis and they were going to start chemo. Cece decided she was going to go on a, 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 <laughs> a, 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 a trip on her uh, IV stand run. And like she was, she was flying down the hallway on her <laughs> IV stand, laughing her head off and everybody else was sleeping. Um, and then, you know, when we were every, Every Friday we'd go down to, well, some weeks we had to, to do five days straight, but some, some weeks we only came in on Fridays and we would take the subway uh, down to sick kids from our home at Young and Lawrence. And we'd always stop at Aroma, which is a, a little cafe um, along the way. And Cece would, I would try and get some croissants into her and, and whatever else she was willing to eat. And one morning again in her in her signature gown, she wore she she wore her purple dress literally the entire year. Usually over top a pajama. That was the other signature. She wore a pajama for a year, 
um, and uh, she was dancing around Aroma, and these these university students saw her. She was so funny. She was literally like twirling and dancing and doing all kinds of moves. And these kids saw her. I mean, she was visibly ill. You know, she was pale and she was she didn't have any hair and clearly, you know, receiving chemotherapy. And they see this joyous little girl and they came up to me and they said, you know, we, every year we do a fundraiser. They were Ryerson University students. And every year we do a fundraiser and we, we raise funds for various organizations. But we we're wondering if this year we could honor your daughter because she is so magical. And I think that uh, it would really, you know, inspire people. Um, and I was just taken aback. And they went and put together this incredible lineup of uh, shows. So it was, a, it was a talent show. And there was um, uh, like, a, I think it was, a, they called it acoustic night. So it was all kinds of acoustic guitar and singing. And they put together this, and they had baking, and like it was, it was a combination George Brown College, uh, their food program, and the Ryerson program. Not, I'm not sure ex exactly, but it was a show that was in February, attended by about 200 people, and we decided to go as well. Um, it was, it was a Thursday night, February 11th. I remember 2016, and it was freezing outside. Cece put on her nightgown, her <laughs> wig. Her sunglasses. Sunglasses <laughs> at night. I love it. This was after. This was after five days of brutal chemo, brutal with you know the worst side effects, and she still wanted to go. And in fact, she said to me actually a couple of days before because she had to prepare. She said that she wanted to perform also. And so um, a couple of the there was one gentleman who worked with my older kids who played the guitar. And she, he and Cece, um, they practiced singing the song Let It Go from Frozen, because that was Cece's favorite, favorite movie. Um, and I'm, like, I was just stunned. This little three-year-old, you know, sickly little kid on a cold February night stands up in front of 200 people and belts out Let It Go. Um, wow. She was the first, first act. And and she got a standing ovation. Wow. That, that, and that's like her you know she's she was such an inspiration. What courage! What strength! Wow! Seriously, amazing. seriously amazing. So you know the the real answer is when you ask me, you know, what was the motivation? It was Cece. She just you couldn't break her spirit, no matter what. You could. I mean, I'm not saying that you know she wasn't horribly sick and so um, uncomfortable with that and 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 so forth. But overall, her spirit was just so strong. And uh, I, was, I was determined that I was going to meet that kind of energy and, and, and we were going to just fight. Right? Wow. Yeah. But the, the, the idea that she has those memories at that age, and it's as if she blocked out all of the treatments, all the negative, all that bad stuff that nobody really wants to deal with or remember. Yeah. And she pulled through every piece of positivity. Yeah, like it doesn't get any better than that. Like that's pure resilience in a child. Right resilience is that is like and and moving forward, you just can't even believe the resilience that she's demonstrated ongoing. But the one thing that was pretty funny, and this is how we envisioned um, the cancer. Cece called it toots. Do you want to tell the story of toots? Yeah. So one day, 
I was watching a Curious George episode, and it was where Curious George was sick, and then um, there was like a little germ in his nose named Toots, who was putting on a concert that to make him sneeze, and then he sneezed onto a door handle, and then another lady touched it, and then she got Toots, so... It seemed pretty similar. So, so Cece, the way she, the tumor that she had, if you can believe, it grew out of her nose and it grew so fast that literally within hours it was from, you know, it, you couldn't see it in the nostril to it being hanging below her nostril. And we were, you know, putzing around in the hospital. They were kind of decide, should they do a biopsy? How will they get in there? And she basically just wiped her nose and, uh, <laughs> Sorry for being so graphic, but there was a piece of her tumor, um, and uh, you know that was it. Uh, we put it in a cup, and they sent it off to pathology, and so we didn't have to go undergo surgery. But so to CC, this thing coming out of her nose was Toots, and so we subsequently called it Toots, right? Cece? Yeah. And we used to, we used to, I used, I uh, <laughs> read the, the book, um, The Three Musketeers, and seen the movie, and. Um, we kind of had this this spirit and this uh, this motto, and whenever we met anybody, we put our hands together and we'd say, "All okay, for one right, and one for all, hooray!" <laughs> <laughs> and so you know those little things. Uh, it, sounds, it sounds it sounds incredible, and 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 to have to go through such a horrible thing, um, and to have such positivity from it. You know, I often get asked at High Lifeline, like, how is it, you know, and very similar to your answer is like, how is it that you, that you see all of these, you know, these seriously serious cases and sad cases and you come across people who are, you know, just dealing with some of the hardest things imaginable and how do you stay positive? And, and, and just like you, I say, well, we focus on the positivity. We bring hope to people. And, you know, you mentioned as, as, a, as a clinician and as a doctor, that's how you um, support your patients. But I think, um, you know, in, in your own life, it seems very similar as well, that you, you live each day fully and, and you focus on the positive aspects. So that's been incredible. Um, we only have an hour. So yeah. I want to, I want to kind of take this, we, we, you know, Cece's at the moment, she's three in the, sto in our story, but obviously yeah. right now she's 10 and there's probably a lot to share between <laughs> three and the 10, it, it, you know, can, can you take us, I guess, and, and I don't mean to um, to downplay it at all, but we are, we are pressed for a bit of time. Um, sure. can you share us, share a little bit more of, you know, your, your, you know, your treatment, how that went? I, I assume you came back to Toronto for treatment at some point as well. Um, and, and things of that nature. And then, and then I want to get into some, something special that I know CC's been, uh, been working on. Well, um, after, so Cece was diagnosed in July and, and we went to Philadelphia in October, no, November, October, November. And we came back in the middle of November and then uh, she, she finished her, so she finished radiation then. And then she got basically weekly chemo until uh, April, I think it was April 22nd, 2016. Yeah. yeah. And, um, and then, you know, she had the follow-up every three months, six months, um, and very happy to share that after five years, um, which as I guess was 2021, she was officially cured um, because they, you say remission uh, for a period of five years because it, it could come back. But after five years, 
the doctors have told us that, um, you know, it's not likely that, it, you know, her risk of it coming back is like any other person in the population. So, so that's when they call it cure. So, so Cece has been thankfully cured. Of, yeah, but you know, there's late effects of radiation. She's now in the survivorship program. Can I share, Cece, what some of the things that you experienced? You can do it. Okay, why don't you do it? So um, now that our camera's kind of off, you can't really see. Um, I don't have any front teeth because um, the radiation, um, it affected my gums and my roots. So my adult teeth didn't have any roots, so they were going to fall out anyway. So the doctors had to pull them out. And I don't like wearing my retainer. Um, Cece's proud to be toothless. <laughs> yeah. She has a denture, but she doesn't wear it. I uh, lost it. You lost it? Oh, dear. Um, and then I also need glasses, although I don't really wear them, um, because I have an astigmatism, which is kind of like something over my left eye. And it, it's kind of hard for me to see a little bit. So Cece has, because... Again, her eye was in the radiation field in addition to her maxilla. Um, she has a bit of a cataract and there's a little bit of facial asymmetry because the bone on the left side of her face didn't grow uh, during radiation. And so um, there's some, you know, future, there'll be some future interventions to, to fix, that. fix that and to put in permanent implants. So that will probably be when CC is <clears throat> like 16 or 17 um, and she's got some dry eye and, and we have to put drops in, but overall, you know, Cece's doing, inc I mean, none of that, it's, it's an annoyance, but nothing has gotten in the way of her incredible, <laughs> you know, she's just, she just gets better and better. Um, she's, she's, she got first place in the Royal Conservatory piano exam last year. She's a, an amazing musician. She um is part of musical theater they're going to do matilda this year last year they did what was it called adam's, adam's family and she played pugsley oh, wow. and she kind of kind of she kind of stole the show um she is quite the artist and in fact you want to say what we did this weekend so we got a flyer from sick kids about if we wanted to donate and then i felt really bad for all the kids who had to stay at sick kids over the holiday because it doesn't seem very fair that they have to miss out on Hanukkah or Christmas or, or their holiday traditions. And so we went down to sick kids and we gave everyone an arts and craft because, um, well, it was like, an, this is me and this is what I think about. It was, so it was a template head and then Half of the face was um, black and white or shaded in. And the other half, you had to put what you thought about and like who, who you were and that stuff. And we um, gave it to the people at Sick Kids and they gave it to the kids. Oh. So Cece herself, Cece herself did this incredible project um, that was titled this is me and this is what I think about. And one day she presented this incredible picture to me where she drew her face on half her face on the one side and the other side had all kinds of, and, and that was in, in pencil on the other side had this incredible rainbow of colors of all the things that she thinks about like rainbows and fairies <laughs> and 
what? My friends. Her friends, all kinds of different things, but it was so beautiful and mounted on cardboard. And initially when Cece said to me that she really wanted to do something for the sick, for the kids at sick kids during the holidays, we we were going to make chocolate chip cookies, but then we were told we were not allowed to bring food there. So we tried to come up with something else. And we thought maybe we could come up with an art project that would maybe just be, you know, that small gesture uh, that so many people extended to us. And it would just be like something to the kids could enjoy and have fun with. And so we went and put together 30 packages because there were 30 inpatients with markers and pencils and glitter and the template of the head and, and, a, and a copy of Cece's picture um, and instructions and a holiday card. And we took them to Dr. Malkin, who was Cece's oncologist, who is kind of uh, a gem of a human being, uh, closest thing to angel on earth that, that ever lived. Um, and uh, he distributed on our behalf to all the kids. And it just, it just was kind of a, you know, Cece is amazing in that she's, she's so sentient and thinks about how another person must experience. Yeah. To be, to be, to have gone through something like that and and not to want to just like forget it and instead realize that there are other kids now who are going through that. Yeah. I help them. Exactly. Incredible. Um, yeah, so, it's really such a beautiful project. So now that we're on, you know, some of CC's projects, I know that there's a very special project that you guys or CC yeah. has has uh, has created, and, and I want to. I wonder, CC, if you can tell us a little about that. Okay, so um, I'm writing a book. Mama's editing it. It's called She Warrior, and it's basically about my experiences on um, what it felt like to have rhabdomyosarcoma and like have cancer and then um, how I dealt with it. And it's basically to give other kids hope who are going through the same thing. And yeah. So Cece, Cece has written six chapters and now she's starting the illustrations and that is Cece's illustrations are like magical. (laughs) And so we hope that, you know, we'll be able to present this. I don't know. I mean, I think it would be actually something lovely to publish because I think the perspective from a child, um, I think that would be meaningful to other children. It's one thing when adults write books for children, but it's one, it's a, it's a totally different thing when it's a, the voice of the child. And in fact, you know, Cece's voice is so clear in it and it's so funny and it's not something that an adult could think about to write in such a way. Um, so maybe we'll see if we can get it published, but for sure we're going to bring it to Dr. Malkin and um, and see if we can have, you know, distribute it to to the kids again on the ward and I think maybe even to the parents. I hope that you'll share it with us here at High Lifeline as well. Absolutely. I, I mean, to me, this is... I, I, uh, I generally spend a lot of time working and writing reports, but this uh, last week when I've been off, it's been my priority, first and foremost, to edit this so that we can get this going. And it's just such a fun project to do together. Well, you know, I, I think it's an amazing thing that, um, you know, it's, it's coming from a place of wanting to help other kids who've gone through what you're, who are going through what you've gone through. And to take that, and, and not be like, you know, this was a horrible situation. I just want to forget about it and move on. And, and actually to selflessly give and give back and say, look at all these kind gestures that people did for me. And I want to do something back. I, I think that's 
you know, obviously telling as who you are, both of you are as, as, you know, as a parent, as, as, um, as a patient, as people and humans in the world. But, but I think, um, it's a very helpful thing for people who are struggling in their own lives to understand that, yes, right now you're going through something. Um, but there's, there's light at the end of that tunnel. And when you get through it, you'll actually, it, it, it's actually learning something that you learn from and you can give back in a very meaningful way that no one else can, because no one else can write that book like you can, CC, right? No one can give that perspective. Only you can. And the fact that you're turning That's around and giving it, I think is a beautiful, beautiful, powerful message. I totally agree. And, you know, the other thing, you know, this is, again, it doesn't come in a vacuum. Cece's daily life is also supporting her brother and sister who she adores and who she advocates for, like you can't even believe. Um, and she's really, you know, she has a lot of grace and patience and my, my kids adore her. Um, and, and yeah. Um, although Anna is my best friend, Juge is like my very best friend. Juge is her sister. Yeah. And so Juge is nonverbal. Um, but she loves books and she laughs and laughs and Cece reads her stories and Julietta laughs her head off. We even made a dance to poke it up pants. <laughs> it's old honestly, is Julietta now? Julietta is nearly 16. She'll be 16 in, in March. She's right at that um, TikTok dance phase. <laughs> exactly. And she's so into music and, and Cece is, you know, she's the Cece just her eyes light up when Cece reads to her. So, you know, Cece, Cece has a tradition of selflessness and kindness and uh, empathy. That's kind of unusual for a kid her age. But I, as I said, we kind of have an unusual <laughs> life circumstance for better or worse, you know. Um, and I think that that there's no guarantees in life for anybody. And I think we're all challenged with whatever whatever we're thrown, how do we, how do we navigate whatever challenge life throws us? Uh, do we, do we just collapse or do we, do we, you know, do everything we can to turn, uh, turn things around in, in the best way possible? I guess that's, that's basically it, isn't it? Yeah. It is. Yeah. It's all perspective with that. I mean, a lot of, uh, it, it is perspective but but it's action it's 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 not just saying you know it's it's not taking things sitting down but it's also going for that run and going and getting that food you know downtown yeah. at bear burger and exactly it it takes it's basically empowering yourself not to be a victim yeah. you know and you can sit there and just complain about the whole thing and mope around yeah. or you can yeah, and it isn't fair it. no it's not fair but you know, there's certain certain things you can't control, but what you can control is how you look at them. Well, that's right. Uh, Cece, I want to <laughs> ask you. You know, you've been involved with High Lifeline for a little while, and and is there is there one thing that one story or one thing that was your favorite thing? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, Let's hear. I want I want to know what that was. Um, when I was was I five. Or I think it was in 2018. So you were about six, five or six. Yeah. When I was five or six, um, High Lifeline took 
me and a bunch of other kids on a trip to Disney. And it, I had a really, really, really good time. <laughs> and um, there was a really nice girl, Leah. Um, she was like my, like my counselor, and she she was really nice. And we had such a great time together. And I loved it. I loved it so much. It was. So, I mean, did you meet Sophia? Did you meet Sophia? I, I think I had actually grown out of my Sophia the first <laughs> stage, believe it or not. But you hadn't grown out of Frozen. <laughs> not Frozen. Yeah. It never happened. I loved Frozen. Okay, well, did you meet Elsa and Anna then, at least? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we have the pictures to prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I also met Super Bowl. Yeah. And, and are, you, are you in touch with anybody from that trip? Stuff? Yes, with Leah. We, we are. Leah That's, herself uh, was a cancer survivor. She was 18 at the time. She's just an amazing young woman. She's since gotten married and now had a baby as well. And wow. we definitely keep in touch with her. She's just, you know, CC and her have a special bond. I think, yeah, and it's, it's one of the things that, that we at High Lifeline, you know, as much as the trip is memorable and, you know, a lot of our experiences that we're able to put together for, for kids like CC are memorable. What's more important is those relationships that are formed and those connections that are built um, because that stays forever. And as, as there's ups and downs and, you know, life goes on and it sounds like um, Leah's married and has a child already, you know, um, that relationship will stay strong. And, and that's a very powerful thing. And, and that's really what High Lifeline is all about is, is building those relationships, whether it's with the case managers that, you know, I, I know you, you have a great relationship with some, with our case management team and, and, you know, just to, just th- those bonds and and that support is is something that you know I always encourage kids to go to camp some club because it's not camp that you're getting it's the community that you're getting and that community that you described earlier that was there for you um, absolutely oh we, we we just because of various different logistical issues we haven't yet been able to go to Camp Simcha, but I'm hoping that that is still in the future but I just want to you know I just want to say sorry that's our dog Charlie I just I just want to say um, that Sarah Blum is somebody that we is just a, a very special, special person, um, and we uh, we've remained in touch with Sarah as well. She and Cece connected in such a meaningful way. Yeah. Uh, she's a special soul herself, and um, she always did lovely art with Cece, and Cece confided in her and. Uh, they just had a very special relationship. I, I was really, really grateful to her. She was, she was a real support for me as well. Uh, it's beautiful to hear. And, and um, you know, Sarah's, uh, Sarah's wonderful. And we're very honored to have her as part of the team. Um, Brian, is there anything you wanted to add or ask before we, uh, we finish? Um, I had a couple questions. Um, I forgot one of them, but one of them was, Galia, for you, as a physician, was this easier or harder hearing the diagnosis and everything um, being a physician or would it have been easier or harder just not knowing that kind of medical background? You know, <laughs> that has been a double-edged sword for me uh, all my, my entire adult life with my other kids uh, because I, you know, I, I know, uh, I know, I know where things can go. That being said, I feel that my medical background has navigated 
you know, has, has given, has given me the confidence to be able to understand also the decision-making and, and be able to make decisions that I thought were right, even if they didn't necessarily um, uh, go along with uh, what the doctors were telling me, because I was able to sort of think through and have additional questions. And, you know, when I actually thought through and I said, I, I want to know exactly the radiation field. And I kind of really pursued that. And it and when I actually you know, got that information. It turned out that the radiation field wasn't going to really be affecting her swallowing. That's when I had the confidence to say, you know what, I think we can do this. But I think a person who's not medical may not have, you know, really questioned uh, what was being told to them at face value. Um, and so, you know, as much as I also was aware of all the things that could go wrong, um, I think it allowed me to maybe be a little bit more precise and uh, confident in, in the decision-making that we had to make for ourselves. And, you know, there's never a right answer. Every person has a different set of values and they make decisions based on those values. Um, and that's true. That's true for um, um, every, you know, illness. And, and my job as a physician is to be person-centered, not impose on, you know, patients, what I think they should do. I have to meet them where they're at. And so I was able, you know, with the information that they were able to um, give me, I could ask more questions. And as a result, I think I was able to make better decisions for, for our family. Yeah. Especially because you are very close to the patient being your daughter. So, I mean, it, it can get a little muddy in that aspect of what decisions yep. you guys are going to make and what you feel will be best versus what the acting physician would feel. Sure. That being said, you know, I'm not that objective, you know, even now, every tiny little thing I, I kind of have, I'm, I'm almost re-traumatized, you know, like Cece had a something wrong, some, some problem with her eye. And I was, in, I, 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 you know, it was hard to regulate saying, well, this is likely just, you know, something minor that every other kid might get. Um, because I already had that scenario of the, oh, this is unlikely to be, and then it actually happened. So I'm still, I'm still struggling with that kind of fear of, oh my God, I, I can't do this again. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Well, it sounds like you handled it with grace and, um, you know, and, and strength and courage and tenacity and, and both you and CC and everything that you're you know, you, you had to go through it. I'm, I'm in awe and um, I'm, I'm in awe that you went through it. And I'm in, even more inspired by the fact that you've come out the way you have with the strength and caring and sharing that um, is obviously a part of who you both are. So thank you for that. And um, I'm, I'm going to, as we come to the end of, of the podcast today, I want to ask if uh, there's any parting thought that you'd like to share with the high lifeline world um and if there's nothing no 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 worries but if there's something that you want to share i was gonna i, I was gonna put cc on the spot and see if she had some love and joy and hope to spread to everybody absolutely i think cc should answer this question Wait, maybe repeat the question uh so cc is there is there any final message that you'd like to share with all of our high lifeline donors and volunteers and family, everybody who listens to this mess, to this podcast, they're always looking for inspiration and positivity and strength. And is there any final message that you'd like to share um, with all of them? 
It's something that Mama told me and that I think her Saba told her. Um, this too shall pass if anything's wrong. <laughs> yeah, equanimity. Um, um, yeah, yeah, war, I think, is as they say. Yeah, and, um, and tikkun olam. So uh, we were beneficiaries of tikkun olam, and now it is our turn. And um, we're going to continue doing that. Yeah. Such a beautiful story. Thank you, guys. Thank you. And I look forward to, to reading your book, Cece. I hope you share it with me when it's ready. Definitely. <laughs> well, thank you. And I look forward to hopefully meeting you in person as well over, uh, you know, over COVID. It, it was uh, not something that I'm, I was used to, not really knowing our families as well as um, I had in the past. So it's a pleasure to get to know you both. Thank you. And thank you, for thank you very much for this wonderful opportunity. And we hope to meet you as well. Absolutely. Uh, very personal story. So very personal story. It's uh, very appreciated that you would share that. Have a wonderful day. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. I told you you'd be smiling throughout the story. How incredible for a three-year-old to be holding on to such incredibly positive thoughts and memories. Cece straight out said she was just born a very positive person. She crashed a wedding, inadvertently got university students to hold a fun fundraiser in her honor, wrote a book, ate loads of ice cream, and really, who doesn't love ice cream, and really just made the best memories. Yes, she does live with the side effects of the radiation therapy, but she's handling it with such grace. Thank you, Galit and Cece, for joining us today and sharing your incredible insight and positivity. It truly is infectious. And thank you to the listeners for choosing to be with us today. Until next time. On Air Chai is a High Lifeline Canada project. Produced by myself, Brian Strasberg. Hosted by myself and the executive director of High Lifeline Canada, Mordechai Rothman. Guests are booked by Orly Davis and graphic design is done by Candace Alper. On Air Chai is edited by myself. And the music is provided by Music Unlimited at pixabay.com. To learn more about High Lifeline and how you can help us, please visit our website at highlifelinecanada.org. Don't forget to subscribe and give us that five-star rating. And of course, share it with all your friends.